This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 370 for Thursday, September 28th, 2023. And in today's episode, we're talking about the new Nikon full-frame retro camera called the Nikon ZF, as well as the new GoPro Hero 12 Black. Now, the Nikon ZF is basically the full-frame big brother of the Nikon ZFC crop body camera that was released back in July of 2021. Now, the following are the key features for this new full-frame, quote, throwback camera. It has a 24.5 megapixel FX format BSI, or backside illuminated CMOS sensor, X-Speed 7 image processor, UHD 4K 30p video, and full-frame HD, or full HD video at 120 frames per second, AF subject recognition with 3D tracking, 5-axis in-body vibration reduction, focus point stabilization, a 3.2-inch vari-angle touchscreen, and a 96-megapixel high-resolution mode. Now, according to the folks at B&H Photo, quote, the most powerful entry yet in Nikon's line of digital throwbacks, the full-frame creator-inspired ZF mirrorless camera proves once again that good style never goes away. While the camera's body design retrieves the filmic steel feel functionalism of vintage SLRs, its insides are nonetheless outfitted with the latest in Z-series features and capabilities, turning the ZF's iconic silhouette into a modern and tactile shooter that it's advanced tech to deliver timeless imagery. Now let's take a look at the full specs for this new camera that to me looks really nice, although it seems to me like Nikon is desperate to try and mimic Fujifilm's popularity with the retro design that is so popular with Fujifilm shooters. But I can't say as I blame them, after being knocked from the number two spot by Sony a few years ago. Now, another thing to keep in mind, if you remember, I've talked on this show before about the fact that the Fujifilm X100V is nearly impossible to buy these days because of TikTokers raving about the camera. It's been sold out and on back order for, I think, over a year now. So it's gotten pretty crazy. Now, whether or not Nikon can get that lucky and get a little bit of a sales surge from this craze in retro-style cameras is anybody's guess. However, it has recently come to my attention that Rico has been benefiting from Fujifilm's success. And what I mean by that is Rico has the GR3 and the GR3X. Now, both of these Rico cameras are a fixed lens crop body camera. One comes with the 28 millimeter full frame equivalent field of view lens 
and the other with a 40mm full-frame equivalent field-of-view lens. And the GR3 and 3X do also have a leaf shutter like the X100V. So in a lot of places online, YouTube videos and blogs and so on and so forth, you have a lot of these people saying, hey, if you can't get your hands on the fantastic X100V, then the Ricoh GR3 or 3X are the next best thing. And that has benefited Ricoh quite a bit. And the reason for that is because people are now snatching up the Ricoh GR3 and 3X like they're hotcakes. I mean, those cameras are getting to be super hard to find. So maybe Nikon will get lucky with the ZF and they'll get in on some of that sales surge craziness over the, quote, retro look. Okay, so for the full specs on this camera, lens mount, of course, is Nikon Z. The sensor resolution is an actual of 25.28 megapixels, an effective of 24.5. The image sensor is 35.9 by 23.9 millimeters, full-frame CMOS. Image stabilization is sensor shift 5-axis. The ISO sensitivity for photo is 100 to 64,000 in manual mode, and you can extend that to 50 to 204,800. For video, it's 100 to 51,200 in manual mode, and you can extend it to 204,800. Although why anybody would want ISO that high is beyond me. Internal recording modes, UHD 4K 3840 by 2160 at 24, 25, and 30 frames per second, 1920 by 1080p at 24, 25, 30, 50, 60, 100, and 120 frames per second. Now, for external recording modes, there are none. Now, the one thing that I do really think is unique about this camera is it does have two memory card slots. However, slot one is an SD, SDHC, or SDXC UHS-2, and the second slot is a micro SD, micro SDHC, or micro SDXC. So they did manage to put two memory card slots in it. Now, according to Stephen from Frono's Photos Rob Talk podcast, you cannot record video redundantly to the two cards, but you can stills. And I do give props to Nikon for being smart enough to give you two card slots, even if they didn't have the physical real estate to give you two SD card slots. At least they gave you a second slot that's micro SD. And you can get micro SD cards pretty much as fast as regular SD. Just the smaller form factor. Now, for video I.O., you have one times micro HDMI, unspecified signal output. For audio I.O., you have one times one eighth inch, 3.5 millimeter TRS stereo microphone plug-in power input. And for other I.O., you have one USB-C input output. The display type, again, is an articulating touchscreen. The battery type is the ENEL15C rechargeable lithium-ion. So those are the first section of major specs. Now for exposure control, for shutter type, you have electronic shutter, mechanical focal plane shutter, shutter speed with mechanical 1 thousandths of a second up to 30 seconds in manual mode, one eight thousandths of a second up to four seconds in shutter priority mode. And with the electronic shutter, you can get the same one eight thousandths to 30 seconds in manual mode and one eight thousandths to four seconds in shutter priority mode. Bulb and time mode, it does have both. 
And let's see here. For metering mode, we have center weighted average and matrix. Exposure modes, we have aperture priority, auto, manual, program, and shutter priority. The exposure compensation is minus 5 to plus 5 EV and one-third EV steps. The metering range is minus 4 to plus 17 EV. For white balance, we have 2,500 to 10,000 Kelvin as our range, with presets for auto, cloudy, direct sunlight, flash, fluorescent, incandescent, manual, neutral white, and shade. And the camera is also capable of interval recording. Now for still image capture, for image sizes, we have 3x2, 1-1, and 16-9. For 3x2, we have 60-48 uh, x 40-32, we have 45-28 by 30-24, and 30-24 by 20-16. For 1-1, we have 40-32 by 40-32, 30-24 by 30-24, and 20-16 by 20-16. In the 16 by 9 aspect ratio, we have 6048 by 3400, 4528 by 2544, and 3024 by 1696. For image file formats, we have HEAF, JPEG, and RAW, and the bit depth is 14 bit. Now, for video capture, uh, I already mentioned the internal recording mode, so I won't go over those again. Uh, there are no external recording modes, and the recording limit is up to 125 minutes, and you can do IP streaming. So definitely a plus there. So for the viewfinder, the built-in electronic viewfinder, the size is 0.5 inches. The resolution is 2,369,000 dot. The eye point is 21 millimeters and has a 100% coverage of the sensor. The magnification is approximately 0.8 times, and the diopter adjustment goes from minus 4 to plus 2. Uh, so definitely some interesting specs, some great technology in this camera. So I don't want you to think that I'm saying it's a bad camera. It's not. But I'm a little bit baffled as to why Nikon would opt to put all this tech into a retro-style camera first. I would have thought, being it's been about four years since they released the Z6 II, that they would have put this tech in the Z6 III and released that first, and then came out with the ZF. But maybe that's just me. We'll have to wait and see how it fleshes out for Nikon. I hope it does help them out with their sales. Uh, like I've said before, I don't want to see Nikon fail. I don't want them to go out of business. The more competition we have in the camera world, the better it is for everybody. So that is the Nikon ZF. And it is an interesting camera. Now, when I was recently listening to the Raw Talk podcast with Jared Poland and Stephen, he and Stephen were talking about this camera. And Jared mentioned that although the camera's capabilities are amazing, the ergonomics are poor, especially when trying to use a lens like the 70 to 200 f2.8. Now, I'm sure that there are people that will say, oh, well, you can't use that kind of lens on this camera. It's a street photography camera. Baloney. If the camera is designed with the standard Z-mount, then it should have better handling when using larger lenses on it, period. If Nikon was only intending it to be used for street photography, then they should have made it with an attached 35mm lens and no ability to change the lens at all. That would have made more sense. 
Now, the pricing for this camera is not terrible at $2,000 US, but for that price, the ergonomics should be better. And there are other options out there in the same price point or a bit cheaper that might be better options from both Sony and Canon. And again, I can't say that I blame Nikon for trying to do whatever it can to remain relevant. Nikon has always had great image quality and decent color science. Although I personally do prefer my Fujifilm cameras more, especially with their film simulations. So, another new release to the camera market recently is the new action camera, the GoPro Hero 12 Black. Now, as someone who uses action cameras quite a bit for my clients and my own YouTube channel, I'm excited to check out this latest offering from GoPro. And the following are the key features for the new Hero 12 Black. It features a 27 megapixel sensor with improved performance. It is capable of 5.3K 60P, 4K 120P, 2.7K 240P video and 27 megapixel photos. It has their newer HyperSmooth 6.0 image stabilization, front and rear LCD screens, Bluetooth audio connectivity and control, which is something new for GoPro, 33-foot waterproof without housing, 8 times slow motion video, and a 1720 milliamp hour capacity rechargeable battery. Now, from B&H, quote, while the GoPro Hero 12 Black features some similar hardware to its predecessor, a 27 megapixel image sensor capable of 5.3K 60P video recording is, is impressive. Its improved battery life, HyperSmooth 6.0 technology, and expanded Bluetooth wireless further its capabilities. The image sensor can capture 27 megapixel raw still photos as well as 5.3K 60, 4K 120, and 2.7K 240 video with ease. The HyperSmooth 6.0 digital image stabilization with auto boost ensures your footage remains high quality while reducing image cropping. The Hero 12 also has improved power management to continuously record video two times faster than previous models. Now, even though the Hero 12 Black is sort of an incremental upgrade from the 11 Black, I did need a second GoPro for my kit, and since the 12 was now officially out, I figured why not buy a second, uh, why buy a second Hero 11 Black when for the same money I could get the latest model and see how it performs. Now, GoPro's new Enduro batteries are really excellent and last much longer than the older batteries. And between GoPro and Amazon Vine, I have a ton of extra batteries for my GoPros so I can be out shooting all day long without having to worry about power. Now, when I got mine, I decided to also get the new Max Lens Mod 2.0. And I already had a second media mod that was waiting for a new GoPro to slide into it and give me the excellent audio as well as so many add-on abilities when filming. The new HyperSmooth 6.0 is nice, but I don't see a ton of difference between it and the previous version that's built into the Hero 11 Black. The new Max Lens Mod 2.0 is nice as well, and is only compatible with the Hero 12. It cannot be used with the Hero 11 or any other past GoPros. Another new ability of the Hero 12 Black is enhanced Bluetooth that allows you to use Bluetooth microphones and headphones, which can be extremely handy for shooting content for yourself or clients and truly make your jobs a lot 
easier. Now, one thing I need to touch on with the Max Lens Mod 2.0, you now have more resolution options with the Max Lens Mod. So on the GoPro Hero 11 with the original Max Lens Mod, you only had, I think, two different shooting resolutions, um, and you could do like linear and I think wide or something like that. But with the new Max Lens Mod 2.0, you can do linear, wide, super wide, and uh, hyper view or something like that, they call it. Um, so it does give you a lot more flexibility with the new Max Lens Mod. Uh, now, let's see. Um, now, when comparing the Hero 12 to the Hero 11, I don't see a ton of differences when using both cameras. But there are some subtle differences, such as a sleeker design deeper underwater capabilities, and more advanced sensor. However, the Hero 12 does have super slow motion using higher quality and upgraded chip, making tasks faster in the system, as well as more enhanced streaming capabilities. Now, one of the major differences, as I said, is the Max Lens Mod 2.0, which I did get with my camera. And this new lens allows you to use resolutions and fields of view that you could not with the old version. A final item is that the new Hero 12 Black is supposed to have prolonged battery life, but I haven't had a chance to test that out as of yet to see if it's actually true. Now, if you're trying to decide between buying the Hero 11 and the Hero 12, I would just go with the Hero 12 for its more powerful processor, sleeker design, better underwater capabilities, and the new Max Lens Mod. The new sensor also gives more vibrant colors as well as better details and the prolonged battery life as well. Now, if you don't need any of these new capabilities, then maybe the Hero 11 is all you need, and you could probably save some money as well. Although, looking at the prices on B&H Photo this week, the Hero 11 is only $50 cheaper, so I would probably just opt for the 12 unless your money is really, really tight. All right, so now let's head on over to Petapixel and take a look at a couple of new news stories for this week. Photographer tracks $24,000 worth of stolen gear to address. San Francisco police do nothing about it. A photographer and filmmaker who had $24,000 worth of camera equipment stolen from his car has slammed the San Francisco Police Department for doing nothing about the fencing operation his gear was taken to. Justin Shuck watched in horror as his recently purchased camera equipment traveled across the Golden Gate Bridge, tracking the stolen goods thanks to air tags secreted within the bags. To make matters worse, the camera gear was not yet insured. Quote, I literally felt the, the pit of my stomach drop. I knew that the equipment wasn't insured, and so to have it gone so soon after buying it was just devastating, Shuck tells ABC7 News. However, Shuck did, not ha did have one card left to play. He watched on a smartphone app that tracks the air tags as his valuable equipment traveled from Oakland to San Francisco. Shuck was on a call with the police when he saw his photo gear arrive at a location the police officer knew. According to Shuck, the officer said, oh yeah, that's a known major fencing operation. Everybody in the Bay Area knows that they can bring their stolen stuff there and offload it. Shuck is irate that the San Francisco police are doing nothing about the fencing operation, which acts as a middleman between thieves and the eventual buyers of the stolen goods. 
Quote, you can't tell me that a primary function of a functioning city with a functioning police department isn't to allow criminals to run known major fencing operations, Shuck says on Facebook. Quote, that it is not a city that is taking care of its citizens. San Francisco, you need to get it together. SFPD, you need to get it together. If you know that criminal enterprises are based at an address and you choose to do nothing about it, it is your responsibility. Speaking to ABC7 News reporter Dan Noyes, Shuck questions why police aren't raiding that place on a daily basis. Noyes tried to contact the police station, but they didn't return the reporter's calls, instead sending an email. Quote, at this point, we cannot disclose any information on the location you referred to based on possible ongoing investigations. Noise has set up a GoFundMe page titled Help Rebuild a Filmmaker's Stolen Dreams. On it, he explains that his camera gear was stolen while sharing lunch with one of my AA sponsees. And I think that was supposed to say Shuck has set up a GoFundMe, not Noise. I don't know why the reporter would have done that. Shuck adds that he has been sober since the start of 2019 and photography and filmmaking have been a beacon during my recovery. Petapixel has been reporting on camera robberies and crimes on photographers in the San Francisco area for the last couple of years. It is a major problem for lens men and women operating in the Bay Area. And I do agree with Shuck. I think it's insane that the police know that this address is a major fencing operation and they're not doing anything about it. And to be honest, if you've been paying attention, and I'm not trying to get political here on the show, uh, just so you know, but we've seen more and more of this over the last 10 years or so where police departments across the U.S. are literally doing nothing about major crimes that are happening right underneath their noses. And a lot of it has to do with the accusations of police brutality and police corruption. Now, I've said to friends and family many times in my personal life, and I will share with you the listeners now that in my opinion, if you want to solve a lot of these problems with law enforcement, with police corruption and abuse of power and things like that, every country in the United States should embrace the concept of having state constables like my home state of Pennsylvania does. And the reason for that is one of the primary jobs of a state constable is to make sure the regular cops are not abusing their power and authority. And if they are, the constable has every right to bust them for it and prosecute them. And I think that would help in a lot of these situations, especially in some of these cities and states where the police have had the most problems. Ansel Adams Estate in San Francisco for sale for $5.4 million. The estate of late famed photographer Ansel Adams is up for sale at $5.4 million asking price. The home has four bedrooms and three and a half baths and is in the picturesque West Clay Park area of San Francisco. The home, which was built in 1902, the same year Adams was born, includes a salon annex that the photographer designed himself and added in 1929. Adams lived at the San Francisco home until moving his family to the Monterey Peninsula in California in 1957. Quote, during Adams' ownership and the subsequent years, this room transported the spirit of the great residential salons of Europe through its life as a meeting point for the city's artistic talents, filling the room with classical music and operatic song. 
This wing of the home has the loft-like romantic art studio with a sitting room and the primary suite with a sitting area and outlooks to the garden. The Sotheby's listing for the home reads. The 3,810-square-foot home features an outdoor living area, a wood-burning fireplace, terrace, glass atrium dining area, and a loft-like art studio the listing describes. The long driveway leading to the home is surrounded by a terraced garden designed by the renowned landscape architect Topher Delaney. Adams was renowned for his landscape photography, but he was also a master of technique. With Fred Archer, Adams developed the zone system, which can be used to capture a wide scale of tones within a single image. His sharp eye and attention to detail in each shadow and highlight is part of why he's remembered as one of the most influential landscape photographers in world history. It's not hard to imagine the inspiration Adams might have taken in the very home up for sale today. Just a short walk to both the water and the Presidio of San Francisco, a national park, he would have had, had access to San Francisco's beauty simply by walking out the door. Even within the home, the sun shines through the foyer, large windows let in leaps of natural light in views of the Golden Gate Bridge, which was first constructed from 1933 to 1937, while Adams lived in the San Francisco home. And it is an absolutely gorgeous home. Adams passed away in 1984, but remains well known for his iconic photographs. And I do find it interesting to see that his home in San Francisco is for sale. And I'm not surprised that it's listed for such a high price, being that Adams was such a world famous photographer. And I have a feeling this house will probably sell fairly easily. I just wanted to touch on this story this week because of my affinity for Ansel Adams and all of the beautiful photography work that he did spanning his multi-decade career. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you are in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, that's going to wrap up episode 370 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcasts. I also wanted to remind you to share out the show with all your friends and family on social media and ask them to give the show a listen. If you're not currently a subscriber, why not? It doesn't cost you a thing, but a second of your time to hit that subscribe button. Also, remember to stop by the Liam Photography YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel, and turn on all notifications so you'll be aware when new content is released, and you'll also be notified when my next giveaway starts in October. 
All right. That is it for this one, folks. I will see you all again next Thursday.